Count me in. Count me in. Count me in, baby. Count me in. Count me in. <laughs> we love being a part of Christ Center because Christ Center doesn't just say to love God and love people. They get out there and they do it. And that's something that's always drawn me to Christ Center um, from the very beginning. You can count me in. Count me in. There we go. There we go. Well, I'm happy today. I'm really happy today because Atlas Oak Haney was born last night. I have a new grandson, 9.2 pounds. Yeah, but uh, baby and mom are healthy, and my son Adam is overjoyed, and I cannot wait to hold Atlas, who's watching right now, and I love you, grandson, um, with all my heart. And I want you to know this, just like I could not wait for that child to be born last night, just like I have so much love in my heart right now, it's going to explode, that's exactly how God feels about every single one of you, every one of you. I wish I could go around to each one of you today and just tell you, how thankful I am that you're here online, whether you're online or in person, and tell you how much God loves you. And, uh, and that's why we're today talking about count me invaluable. You see, I have an invaluable new part of my family. He's invaluable. And that same love, that same anticipation, the same excitement I have for his future, it's as hard as it is to imagine, God has even more of that in mind for you. And so I hope, you, I hope today you hear this. You are invaluable to God. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. So this morning we're going to talk about Count Me Invaluable. And as we do, I want to start off by just saying that... Um, Christ Center has a set of beliefs, and there's three categories that these beliefs come in. Um, one category is the discuss category, and that might look like, um, you know, what will the end times look like? When will Jesus return? I mean, there's all kinds of discussions, and everyone has opinions, and, and we discuss those things, but that's the first category. But then there's a second category, and the second category is the defend category. These are beliefs that we have that we've looked into, we've searched, we've studied, and we believe them. You know, for us as a church, it's, it's maybe it's um, uh, women in leadership, or maybe it's uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are things we'll defend. But even though um, we'll defend these things, we're not going to divide over them. And how many of us have had things that we have studied or sought or, or learned if we followed Jesus for any length of time and we've defended those things only as we've continued to study to realize we were wrong? Has anyone else defended some things and then realized later, I, I might have been wrong on that? I know I have many things. But then there's a third category. 
and that's the die for category. These are the non-negotiables. Jesus is the only way to the Father, period. We believe that the Bible is truth, and it is our authority. We believe that everyone needs a Savior. These, these are non-negotiables. These are the die-for categories. And today what I'm going to be talking about is another die-for category. These, this is something that we as a church hold so strong. It's a die-for category. And that is this. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and all followers of Jesus have a role to play in advancing his kingdom in this world through unity. I know that's a mouthful. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and all followers of Jesus have a role to play in advancing his kingdom in the world through unity. Here's what Jesus told Peter. Jesus told Peter that he was going to build his church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Now, what Jesus didn't say to Peter is, I will build my business. He didn't say, I will build my school. I will build my my university. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus believed it would be the church empowered by the Holy Spirit that would reach the world and advance the kingdom of God. Jesus believed that. That's his plan A, and guess what? There is no plan B. No plan B. Jesus ascended. His body left, but the body of Christ remains his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you're a part of that family, you're a part of that church, and maybe you're here and you're not Keep coming. I'm so proud of you for being here and, 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 and searching this out. And just know that you are loved and you are welcome here. Whether you're, you're following Jesus or not, you are loved and you're welcomed here. And keep seeking, keep searching. That's why when I got a call that said there were six or seven members, remember this, uh, Vern? Uh, got a call about Shalane. And the, the church wasn't going to make it. And it was, it was going downhill fast. And we were in the middle of a building project. And we were planning a base in Costa Rica, a mission base in Costa Rica. And we were doing all these things, but this church wasn't going to survive. And why do you think we poured money, resources, time, and people into this church in Chelan? Because they need the gospel. Because the church is still the answer. And that church is thriving. I talked to both Nick and David this week, and it is thriving. They're going to bust open Chelan Valley for the kingdom of God. I believe that. We need to keep praying for them. But that's why we did it, because we truly agree with Jesus, the head of the church, that it's the answer. The gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. That it's up to us to advance his kingdom. So there's some questions to be asked. And these are important questions. And here's the first question. 
Why can't we be Lone Rangers just doing what we want to do? I mean, all, all other religions, you can be a Lone Ranger. <laughs> but not Christianity. In Christianity, if you read the word, you can't be a Lone Ranger. You can't do it on your own. You need each other. Every follower of Jesus is an invaluable part of his body. Take a moment, look at your neighbor and say, you are invaluable. I mean, look at them in the eyes and say it. Turn to your B, plan B, and say the other side, you are invaluable. Everyone needs to hear that. Everyone, Joe, you're invaluable, buddy. I so believe this with all of my heart. You're invaluable. You're an invaluable part of the body of Christ. And let's see what it says in Corinthians here. Now, Paul's talking to a church that was divided. Some said they were of Apollos. Some said they were of Paul. They were divided on leadership. They were divided on doctrine. They were divided on spiritual gifts. They were a church that was full of division. And here's what he said. He said, just like the human body is not one single part, but rather many parts mingled into one, so if the foot were to say, since I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it's forgetting that it is still a vital part of the body. And if the ear were to say, since I'm not an eye, I'm not really part of the body, it's forgetting that it is still an important part of the body. Think of it this way. If the whole body were just an eyeball, okay, just stop for a moment. <laughs> Can you get that visual? If the whole body was just an eyeball, how could it hear sounds? And if the whole body were just an ear, how could it smell different? But God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. And if the ear were to say, since I'm not an eye, I'm not really part of the body. I mean, you can imagine that, right? You can imagine an ear kind of getting jealous of an eye. I mean, think about movies. Think about quotes, you know. Uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You don't say beauty is in the ear of the beholder. You know, you don't hear the hills have ears. No, it's the hills have eyes, right? It gets all of the press, and when you look gazingly into your wife or your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend's eyes, you're not looking into their ears, right? And if, by the way, someone is looking gazingly into your ears, you should break up with them immediately. <laughs> but it would be easy for the ear to say, eh, I'm not an eye. But if you had no ear, no one would hear him say it. So it would, it, we need every part of the body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Right? And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Think about the hand. I mean, the pointy finger, right? How many of you have ever pointed at some? I mean, we use this finger a lot, Right? Uh, the ring finger. We use the ring finger a lot, right? It is, especially if you are married, it's an important finger. As a matter of fact, it gets a whole day dedicated to it. When you look at someone, you look at their ring finger and it declares to the whole world, I'm taken. 
It's an important finger. Uh, the middle finger, okay? It gets a lot of usage, sadly, but it gets some usage. The thumb separates us from the other primates. We, we kind of need that. The pinky, it gets no press. It goes wee, wee, wee all the way home, but that's it. <laughs> and yet, 50% of our hand strength is from the pinky. You got the little uvula, that little punching bag in the back of your throat. You don't think much about it. I think a lot about it because I have dry mouth. And so I'm constantly drinking. Just like that. And yet for most people, over a lifetime, that little uvula could fill two swimming pools full of saliva. Now that's kind of a gross thing to think about, but that's a lot of saliva. Two swimming pools. Boyer Mountain, if you're watching, that's the little quick fact for you there. But listen, all of our parts are important. All of our members, the ear, the eye, the hand, the foot, they're all important. My dad uh, and mom, I remember as a kid getting dragged to church every week, and not even for service, <laughs> No, they had a key, and we would get I would get dragged to church every week, not even on a Sunday or Wednesday. We went Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. But I would get dragged there on a Saturday, and we would clean. We would clean the church. That's what my parents did. And I, I, I was there, and, and I was forced to clean with them. Wasn't exactly excited about it. Week after week, month after month, year after year, I saw my, my mom and my dad faithfully serving the body. And, and they didn't always clean. Sometimes they would rotate off of that and they would do communion, which was my favorite activity we did because at least I would get some crackers and grape juice. But they would go every week and they would, you know, do the, you know, and I kind of like doing that, so I'd do the grape juice and... And we'd fill the trays and put them in the refrigerator so that the next morning they were ready to serve the Lord's Supper during church. And they did that for years, dedicated faithfully. And, and the, the bulletin, they'd go put the bulletin together, you know, and, 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 and in this bulletin it would have events that would happen. And, and you, know, uh, you know, my dad never held a mic, he never taught, he never preached, and yet, his faithfulness of just putting communion together as people passed those elements, they were thinking about Jesus. My dad had a part in that. My mom had a part in that. You know, as they put those bulletins together that announced all these events coming up where people came to the Lord, they still had a part in that. At 80 years old, my dad was still snow plowing the church parking lot. We finally had to hide the keys from him because it was his instinct to serve as a member of the church. And you know, it's probably the second main reason why I'm doing what I'm doing every week here. It, this is just, this is my part. Wouldn't have been a part I chose. God chose it. That's, by the way, the first main reason. If God says to do it, do it. Period. Period. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
But to see my parents faithfully serving the church and the impact they had. At my dad, he died a few years back. He was 87 years old when he passed. And at his celebration of life service, the elder got up to testify of my dad's faithfulness over decades. And he couldn't even talk. He was crying. He was weeping. And he, he wanted to testify about my dad, but he, he literally couldn't do it. And he was crying, tears streaming down his faith. And he said, I've never seen someone so faithful. I could count on him every week to be here serving communion. He was faithful. Wow, I, what an example that is. What an example that is to me. So another question, why did Jesus tell us to work together? You're all an invaluable part of the body. Every one of us has a, a role to play. But why did he say for us to work together? Here's why. Because each part needs the other. We need each other. When I turned 50, something weird happened. I started walking, and I started hearing a noise. I started hearing clicking noises. I go, what the heck is that? All of a sudden, I just started clicking. I, every, I, started, I tried to get out of bed. I had to put my hand on things. I didn't realize this in our house, but apparently it, it had been lived in by someone that was older. And I never knew that they had put railings up all over the house until I started clicking. And I instinctively reached out, and there was a railing there. They had appropriately placed railings everywhere I needed to grab hold of something to give me some sturdiness. My legs all of a sudden needed my hand. And, and have you ever done this? Have you ever been out driving? And you go, where am I off to? <laughs> Has anyone else done that? My brain's just not working. It needs my mouth, so I call home and I say, hey, uh, do you need me to get anything when I'm there? <laughs> the dentist? <laughs> well, you never have too much floss, you know. It needed my mouth. My brain needed my mouth because I didn't know where I was going. I walk into a room. Well, what am I doing in here? I get, and I, I notice this, the older I get, the, the, the more things happen. My B cells are, in my body are just crazy. They don't, they, they're rogue. They don't work with the other body parts. They just do their own thing. That's my autoimmune disease. My B cells do their own thing. And because of that, my spleen is huge, my liver has a high pressure, my lungs have nodules, all because my B cells want to do their own thing. They don't want to cooperate in the body. But we have to. We need each other. 
Genesis 2.18 says this. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Matthew 18.20. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Luke 10, 27, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We were not meant to do this alone. Scripture says that a strand of three is not easily broken. It's sturdy. We need each other, church. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. God wants you to know you are an invaluable member of his church, of his family. But he also wants you to know we have to work together. And what was Jesus' hope of how we would work together? That we would be one in unity. Unity. That we would work together in love. As a matter of fact, John talks about this in, in chapter 17. He says that our oneness, our unity, will actually be a witness to the world. Did you hear that? Somehow, through how we treat each other, we'll witness to the world. Our Savior was crucified in part to end our divisions. Remember, again, it says in John chapter 17, and we'll read that in just a moment, but it talks about how we that Jesus was in the Father, and we are in Jesus and the Father. Like, we're in them. And as we are in them, we are also connected to each other. And when we're connected to each other, functioning as the body, each member doing what it's supposed to do, it is a witness to the world. Here's what it says. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. What? As we are in Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit working through us, the Trinity, and as we are one body, that the world may believe that you sent me. That's incredible. Our witness is our oneness. It's what, how we treat each other. Because you know what? The bottom line is this. There's people in here with different political views. There's social economic positions that are different in here. There's different ideas on how things should be done. But when we can all come together even with our differences, and love each other in a world that's so divided? You don't think the world's going to take notice of that and go, what is going on with these people? And that's where Jesus is glorified. You know, Steph and I did some budgeting yesterday. How many of you love to do budgeting? Isn't it great? 
Now, the first year we did budgeting, it was an all-out fight for however many hours we were doing it. And yesterday we had our moments, but we also laughed a lot. And we don't really work that hard at trying to be unified, Steph and I. Mm -hmm. But what we do work on, what we're laser focused on, is our mission in life. Our mission in life is to lead others to Jesus and to disciple. And because we're so laser focused on our mission, we have the oneness. You see, the Messiah trumps the money. (laughs) And we are okay because of that. Unity is a byproduct of mission. Did you hear that? Our unity is a byproduct of mission. And mission is a byproduct of God's great love for us. When you know how much God loves you, when you feel his love, When you know he loves you, you want to be on mission for him. You want to do what he wants you to do. You're compelled to. It's as though his love is going in you and flowing out of you. And when you do that with someone like your spouse or a church or a friend or family member, Something unifies you. You get so focused on your mission that the little things around that would normally divide you, you don't think about that much anymore. Worship team, you guys can come on up. I want you to know today, just as I am so excited to see my grandson, to actually hold him, to tell him how much I love him, to let him know how invaluable he is to me. Every single one of you in this room is invaluable to God. Every one of you. Every one of you watching online, you are invaluable to God. And what you do matters. You might be prayer warriors. There are people in this room, when I'm against the wall, I call and I say, I need someone to pray. It matters. Some of you, you prepare communion, and we get to have the the Lord's Supper together. It matters. Some of you greet, and you are a smiling face when people walk through the door. It matters. Some of you make coffee. Can we say amen, and it matters? Some of you are chaplains, and you love our community. And you're willing to go into hard places and do hard things. Alan, welcome home, by the way. It matters. What you did mattered. Reaching out to those people, it mattered. When you faithfully give of your tithe, it matters. When you show up and you clean, when the worship team gets here early, it matters. Do your part. Because it really does matter. You are an invaluable part of this team. And so church, this morning is just a reminder. Count me in. Count me invaluable. I want you to know how thankful I am for this faithful church. Would you just stand? I want to pray over you this morning.
I would just ask you if, if you're in a place where you would just be able to say, Jesus, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do in your church. I, I just would like you to just maybe tell the Lord that. Just say, Lord, I'm in. Count me in. Just tell him, count me in. Jesus, you're the head of this church. You're the one that directs us. And we're your body. And so we faithfully serve the head of the church, which is you, to advance your kingdom. So this morning, God, I ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit to advance your kingdom, to lead others to you, Jesus, and to disciple. Make us one by your Holy Spirit. This we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.